Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey, Viz Media, What Pumpkin Studios, or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you're old enough to vote for our clown juggalo overlords. It's time to go to hell. Hi, and welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck fan cast in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm also Elizabeth. And uh, Elizabeth, I don't know if you noticed what page we started on today. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Would you like to tell our listeners what page we started on today? Well, you could probably figure it out from the episode description, but today we run through pages 1,669. Nice. I had to wait to say that until I was finished turning my throat into a human didgeridoo, you mean? Yes, exactly. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is done. <laughs> it's over. Fuck off, everyone. <laughs> Man, do you think that Andrew Hussey started his own section there on purpose? No, I don't. No, I don't think he did. I think it was a just a glorifying, a, a, a gloriful, a glorious accident. <laughs> I think it was just a glorious accident. The, the 69 nice joke wasn't very pervasive in 2008. Like, 69ing was obviously, like, a thing that people knew about and did on the regs. Right. You know? Right. I feel like the 69 meme really got its traction when, like, that one weatherman put a, did, like, the, the 69 degrees and then, like, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, actually. There was, like, some meme where, like, the weatherman... He had all the degrees on, and then, like, there was also, like, a little adjective underneath, like, what the day was. So, like, it would be, like, 80 degrees hot, 90 degrees steaming. But then, like, under 69 degrees, it said nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I could be, I could be wrong. But that's what I remember. <laughs> what? It was unintentional, and then someone pointed it out to him, and then he did it again on purpose. <laughs> That's very good. Anyway, this was a nice update. Except for the beginning, which sucked. Yeah, the beginning was absolutely awful. I think we have to eat our vegetables and talk about the beginning first. Yes. Because then we're going to get to the really good stuff, like the new troll. That's true. I'm just so mad at Andrew Hussey because I can't even be fucking properly mad at him because he saw that coming. And I'm like, no, I hate this. And he's like, I know you hate it. It's terrible. And I'm like, no, stop. See, Andrew Hussey, in this self-indulgent, narrating his own process thing, uh, has employed a narrative device we like to call lampshading. I mean, a little bit. Not, not to the degree that other people do it. 
but basically it's like, hey, I know this sucks, but I'm still going to do it. It's that sort of thing when you see that in a plot. They don't like stop doing it. They're just like, hey, by the way, racism is bad. And then they keep being racist. That's lampshading. I don't like that. I didn't like any of it. There wasn't even a point. Maybe there'll be a point later. I don't want there to be, really. It's really not that entertaining, but to see him being here. There was that one panel with all of the capital letters. Oh, where he talks about how he w- he waves the story through riddle spiders and shit and dwarves. Yeah, I cannot express in human words the wave of absolute unadulterated hatred that just swept through me at the reading of that page. When I was 16 and reading Homestuck, I thought that was funny. But now I'm 24 and I know better. (laughs) (laughs) I have taste now. It's not even the good kind of wink wink nudge nudge kind of thing. It just takes a fucking Hephaestus sledgehammer and just hits you over the head with it and says, look, see, this is funny because I know what I'm doing and I'm doing it anyway. I'm like, okay, literally nothing about it is funny. You could have left that entire part out and it would have been actually better. Fun fact. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm about to say a hot take. Oh, please, please go ahead. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this podcast is, is still like fairly obscure because if I said this and we were like, we had like a bunch of people listening. I mean, we do have a bunch of people listening, but if we had more people listening, I would get super flame for this. I feel like if Andrew Hussey was anything other than a straight white guy, this would have been torn apart to shreds by the fandom. You're absolutely 100% right. Okay, it's like a, a painful truth, but it's a truth. I've seen comics and such, like pieces of media where they do have something like this happen, but it's like, there's like a woman behind the screen and, it's, and then like all of, all of the men in the comments are like, this is dumb. This is self, this is, this is, uh, what is, what is the self-aggrandizing, 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 self-effacing, you know, some variation of all of those. But then, you know, Andrew Hussey does it. He gets away with it because he's Andrew Hussey. I guess. I mean, Homestuck had been going for a year by now. Was it, like, really popular at this point? Was it, like, was Andrew Hussey really well-known? He wasn't as well-known as he is now, but he was well-known to the extent where, like, he was, you know, a pretty popular webcomic author because Problem Sleuth was a big deal. Oh, right. People loved Problem Sleuth. Jailbreak a little bit. Bard Quest, not so much. Mostly Problem Sleuth. There was a lot of Problem Sleuth fans. And let me tell you, here's, here's a pro tip. Mm-hmm. If, if you meet someone in real life and they tell you that Problem Sleuth is their favorite media by Andrew Hesse, you just run in the other direction. Just fucking do it. Y- yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Problem Sleuth, I would not say is like a horrible piece of media. It's definitely not Andrew Hussey's best piece of media. I don't even know if Homestuck is Andrew Hussey's best piece of media. I actually really like Bard Quest. <laughs> There you go. Bard Quest is super funny. It's unfinished, but it's really funny. As far as I remember, I haven't, again, I haven't read it in like a couple of years. I probably should look through it to see if there's not anything horrible in it that I don't remember. There probably is a little bit. 
Oh, there's probably a little bit. But the concept of Bard Quest is pretty funny. It's like a, you know, like a choose your own adventure sort of thing with with a asshole bard. <laughs> or he wasn't really an asshole. He was mostly just kind of like like a fool. Anyway, Andrew Hussey calling himself out in his own webcomic isn't funny. It was like half a call out and half that. Because I'm calling myself out, I can say it. It again, I mean, it's the lampshading you talked about, but it was just so over the top that it came off so supremely smug and self-satisfied. You're you're not a good storyteller for pointing out how bad your own story is. Right. The voice of the reader or whatever, making that be really annoyed with him, actually annoyed me more. It felt like a sibling who, like, knows exactly what's gonna make you so fucking mad. And then they say it, and you and you know that they're saying it just to make you mad. But you get mad anyway because you can't help yourself. And then they're just, like, grinning at you like, that's exactly what I thought would happen. Oh, yeah, that was, that was my move as a 10-year-old to my 16-year-old brother. <laughs> oh, younger siblings are the worst. Elizabeth, that was what the phrase digging for treasure and eating the dirt came out to be. <laughs> Except now it's something different. Now it is the act of reading Homestuck. That's it. I was the older sibling in that particular scenario. I'm going to bring up a topical, a topical topic, a modern Homestuck topic. You know, Elizabeth, the epilogues came out a little while ago. Yes. Neither Elizabeth nor I, I, obviously Elizabeth hasn't read them, I haven't read them. But you know, I live on the internet, mm-hmm. so I see post after post of like meta about it. So of course I'm gonna read it, <laughs> because I'm a Homestuck fan. I'm at the point where like I don't care about spoilers anymore. I don't want to know plot by plot what happens, but if, if there's a screenshot of Dave and Carcat telling Jade that Obama is real, I'm gonna read it. <laughs> Which apparently, I guess that happened in the epilogue. Well? <laughs> but the problem is, late Homestuck, you, and you'll see this, Elizabeth, but you really don't have to worry about this until, like, after Act 5. Late Homestuck really delves into this whole meta-narrative. Here's what makes a plot in a story bad. But instead of looking at that and then Andrew Hesse going like, oh, okay, I won't do that, he kind of purposefully like steers it onto that track and like does a bad story just to be like aha this is a bad story which is not great and the and the the epilogues really apparently go off on the rails on that which is why a lot of people didn't like them because it kind of screwed over people who were actual fans of the comic and wanted to see a satisfying ending yeah <laughs> i guess this isn't the beginning of this whole s- i'm st- super good because I know what's bad sort of thing, but it is definitely a red flag. (laughs) I feel like it's the other side of the coin that we seem to be seeing a lot of in popular media now that's like, oh, I'll just do nothing that people expect or nothing that is in line with any sort of common folk or whatever. And just from that, my story, my media will be good. Like, it's, it's the reverse of that, and neither is good. Here's a, here's a spoiler alert. Neither. No. <laughs> it makes for a good story. 
Because just by subverting a particular trope or following a particular trope and knowing you are, that doesn't necessarily make a story good or well told. It doesn't necessarily make a story bad when you're like, okay, I'm gonna tell this type of story. That's what it's gonna say on the tin and that's what it's gonna be at the end. Right, I mean, look at fan fiction and look how popular it is. Like, that's exactly why a lot of fan fiction is incredibly well tagged and like, for the most part, like, there aren't a lot of twists because you know what's going to happen. You Sometimes you know down to like, there was only one bed. Oh gosh. Oh gosh, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, the characters walk into a hotel and you're like, oh gosh, I wonder what's going to happen. And then the front desk person is like, oh no, we only have a single room. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You knew exactly from the minute you started reading it to the minute that happened. And yet it still is satisfying here's here's the way i like to think of it and to everyone who's read to the end of homestuck you'll know that this food analogy is completely on brand but if i go into a fucking restaurant and i i'm gonna sit down at this restaurant and they're like you know what's your order and i say i want a steak and they say cool and they they come out to me and they bring me a salad and I'm like, this isn't what I ordered. And they go, aha, of course it's not what you ordered. We surprised you. That's a shitty restaurant. <laughs> right. What if they bring out a dish that you're allergic to? Like, what then? You fucking die because you went to this restaurant? This analogy very much seems right to me. Every time I go to the restaurant Noodles and Company, I order the exact same thing. And I was called out by, about this, like, last night. Because me and my friends were in the restaurant and I was staring at the menu and one of my friends turns to me and he's like, you're just going to order the same thing after staring at that menu. And I was like, yes, I am. And I did. And I enjoyed it because I always know what it's going to be like. And I'm always pleased. When my family and I go into any Outback Steakhouse, we don't fucking look at the menus because we ordered the same thing every time. I knew you were going to be Outback Steakhouse. This is my Outback Steakhouse dream. (laughs) We order a fucking Bloomin' Onion. My mom and my dad get the Outback Special. My brother gets the Bloomin' Onion Burger. I get chicken because I like fucking chicken. And did I already say we get a Bloomin' Onion? Because we do get a Bloomin' Onion. (laughs) You did, yes. That is our entire Outback Steakhouse order. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, of course, there's also nothing wrong with deciding to order something different now and then. Or even someone who's like, I just want to try as many foods as possible. And every time they go to a restaurant, they order something different. But that is a different thing than you saying, I like this food and I'm going to order it. And then... It's delivered to you and it's something different. You order the steak and you get the salad and they're like, aren't you pleased? Aren't you enchanted? And you're like, no! Isn't this a surprise? Sometimes you do just want to fucking go to an Outback Steakhouse and get some goddamn comfort food. And sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? I'm in the mood for something weird. Let's go to a sushi Mexican fusion restaurant (laughs) and do something weird. And then you can go do that and... 
you know, you might not know what you're going to get because it's sushi fused with Mexican food. How are you supposed to know what the fuck is going to be on your plate when the waiter comes by? How are you supposed to put those two things together? I would very much like to go into stories knowing, ah, yes, this is what I'm coming to this story for. I do like it sometimes when you get just kind of knocked out of left field, like, oh, God, I'm... I hate it whenever we have to pull up other medias as reference because then it kind of just shows my entire butt to the world. <laughs> it's like sometimes you really need a Madoka Magica or like sometimes you, you really do need an Undertale where it's like it starts out as one thing and then it turns into another thing, but it still kind of does keep that whole narrative cohesion the whole way through. Right, it's still the same basic thing. I think the problem with Homestuck there are many problems with Homestuck. I think this is the certified problem with Homestuck. Is that it's just all over the fucking place. Yes, yes, I completely agree. That's what I was talking about last time with, like, not knowing whether the tone shifts work. <clears throat> this is actually a good segue into the, that other part of the Andrew Hussey bit where he is recapping everything. I can say I am a smart person. I have read a lot. I have read a lot of books. I've read, like, a lot of books with time travel in them. Ooh, what a humble brag. I have. And I started reading that page. And I was like, oh, yeah, this will take me, like, a minute. I'm a really fast reader. And, like, 15 minutes later, I was staring at my screen like, what the fuck? I'd read almost 1,700 pages of this story, and I'm still reading this recap like, what the fuck is going on? It's a little too clever for its own good. Here's the problem. Hmm. I know literally last episode, we talked about how Andrew Hussey is good at introducing things organically into the narrative. Uh-huh. I know I did just say that last episode. Yes. This episode, I'm going to say, he's very good at that. He should do less of it. <laughs> he should fucking do less of it. As much as some people in my college creative writing class would say, I don't think there's anything wrong with structuring your story in a traditional way. No. Again, back to the fucking restaurant thing. If you go into a tapas place and you're gonna get tapas. Yeah. What, you're gonna get like five to seven like little plates of shit that you share with your friends. You know, that's not a traditional... I mean, it, it is a traditional in some countries way of eating food, but not in the country we live in. It's, it's a non-traditional way of eating food for Americans. Right. But, you know, it's a fun experience. You can do that every once in a while. It's super great. Are you going to do that for every meal? You could. You could, absolutely. You, if you do that for every meal, you absolutely have to understand that not everybody in the world does that as every meal. And you can't be like, oh, I'm better because I only eat tapas for some reason. Right. As if somehow tapas are morally or intellectually superior to just a regular ass meal. Oh man, I'm about to show my entire ass again. But please. <laughs> please. We've already seen it. There's nothing new here. A good piece of media that we can compare Homestuck to is Kingdom Hearts. I think we can compare the Phantoms to each other because both of them are needlessly fucking complicated. Uh-huh. But they all have very dedicated fans. And some of those fans love it for how complicated it is for some goddamn reason. A lot of those fans love it because of what it could be. <laughs> Which is simpler, usually. <laughs> yeah. I actually do like Homestuck. I'm not gonna lie about that. But I don't like Homestuck's plot, really. I mean, I do. I like the Sparknote version 
of Homestuck's plot. If you took Homestuck's plot and laid all of it out like a gardener, you're a gardener and you're looking at this garden plot of Homestuck and you're like, wow, all of these plants are way too close together. I should thin some of them out. And then you like plucked a bunch of thin little bitty carrots and then the carrots that were still there had room to grow. <laughs> that would have made it better. And I, because <laughs> I know I've said this before, but Homestuck's strongest parts are the dialogue logs. Oh, absolutely. The pester logs. A hundred percent. You could leave out everything but those and it'd be better. Again, I don't think Homestuck is bad. It's one of those things where it's like, you used to go to, here, here's, I'm, I'm going to wrap up this metaphor. Which one? We used like five different ones. I, the big one. Let's say at, for every year for your birthday, you went to the Louisville, Kentucky Gaddyland Fun Center, which is kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese, but it's better. <laughs> you know, you went to the Louisville Gaddyland Fun Center every year for your birthday. I didn't go every year for my birthday, you guys. I just went for like my 18th birthday and like s- some other ones when I was little. <laughs> So you go to the Gaylen Fun Center in Louisville, Kentucky, and, you know, you play the games, you eat the pizza that is superior to Chuck E. Cheese, you eat the weird pudding, which any of our listeners, if you've been to the Gaddyland Fun Center in Louisville, Kentucky, was the pudding really weird or was it just me? <laughs> but you keep going there, and then one year you go and it's just closed down. It's just gone. And now there's a furniture store in there. And you're walking through the furniture store and you're like, okay, I see all of these pieces of where the Gaddyland Fun Center used to be. I think that used to be the kitchens. This definitely used to be the the ticket zone. I think that's where the ball pit was, etc., etc. There was a ball pit? Oh yeah, there was a ball pit. It was there was like a playground. It's like a it's like a fucking Chuck E. Cheese. There's not a ball pit in Chuck E. Cheese. There's a ball pit in Chuck E. Cheese. I don't think there is. There's there's ball pits in Chuck E. Cheese. Anyway, <laughs> you you West Coast Chuck E. Cheesers don't know what you're fucking talking about. <laughs> yeah, you see where the ball pit was. You see everything, and it's still a building, but it is not the Gaddyland anymore. It is not the same restaurant. It is not the same thing. That's what Homestuck is towards the end, and it's actually kind of a huge bummer because you know we're in the good parts of homestuck we're like the characters actually could be something no you're making me sad i know (laughs) i'm sorry you're gonna go through all of homestuck and you're slowly gonna see john's character deteriorate no i'm gonna speed run the stages of grief that you all went through over such a long time period where you had to wait for all of these updates and just watch it spiral trailing smoke we're gonna get to this and i will obviously talk about this more in depth when we get to the meteor but oh my god the absolute worst part of being a homestuck fan was the meteor arc because there was this whole thing where they do this teenage love drama bullshit and there's one character that is literally being abused by her boyfriend and you're like are you gonna talk about this and they don't just ever no i mean they do but they don't talk about it in a way that like normal people would that would i feel like that's that's the hardest part of being a homestuck fan (sighs) is like having a favorite character and then Watching as that favorite character just really gets fucked over. 
And if you know, if you've read Homesick, you know who I'm talking about. If you are Elizabeth, I'm sorry, you kind of probably also know who I'm talking about because I did talk about this at length to you before we started the podcast. <laughs> yes. It's like the first thing I knew about Homestuck. The first thing you knew about Homestuck was how much I hate this character arc. But also, Elizabeth, I, I'm sorry to say, Rose is going to have some bad times. No. From Andrew Hussey's hands. No. <sighs> you know what? Yeah. Okay. We have to get to the mini game. We have to get to Game. Fucking hell, it's been half an hour. <laughs> half an hour of an extended restaurant metaphor. Alright everybody, and now it's time for the least hungry part of the podcast. It is the mid-episode minigame, where Elizabeth and I talk about something that isn't the depressing decline of Homestuck's narrative. At least I hope so. What happens here is that Elizabeth and I have five games that we can play. Or not necessarily play. I get to play. Elizabeth gets to suffer. Yep. And those minigames are Hussie's Fixations, Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Image Description, Music Appreciation, and True or False. Yeah, so we have one in five chances of getting one of those mini-games. So, Elizabeth, would you like to go ahead and spin that wheel to decide your fate? Absolutely. Let me just spin this here wheel. And we are going to play Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. All right, everybody. Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is exactly like Human Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but for Homestucks. So basically what happens is it's a bunch of multiple choice questions. There's a boondollar amount attached to each one. And when Elizabeth gets to every fifth question, I think it is, that means that the next time we play Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, if she gets any questions wrong, she doesn't have to start from the beginning again. And I will say that I've already hit the first bit there, so I don't have to start at the beginning and because I'm just so good at this game. Well, I would not say you were so good at this game because the last I'm time- I'm so good at this you game! fucked up on number seven. Elizabeth- are you ready for the first question? Yeah. This question is for 200 boon dollars. What is the fictional game of FLARP an extreme version of? Is it A, LARPing, B, Dungeons and Dragons, C, Chess, or D, Pathfinder? Say the name of that game again. FLARP. F-L-A-R-P in capital letters. A? LARPing? Is that your final answer? Yes. Yes. Well, Elizabeth, that is correct. FLARP is an extreme version of the fictional game. I mean, FLARP is an extreme version <laughs> of the real-life game LARPing. Well, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck going on. The next question is for 4,000 boon dollars, and this is the question you got wrong the last time. Oh, okay, okay. But which of these names is a valid troll name. It's definitely not A, Marscapone Bumblesnatch, which was the wrong answer that you gave last time, but is it B, Trent Bark, C, Hatsune Miku, or D, Cheese Burger? That would be D, Cheese Burger. Yep, that is a valid troll name, because a valid troll name just needs to have six letters in the first name and six letters in the last name. I hate that. Why? It's very good. 
I don't know if I, I just know. All right. <sighs> Are you ready for the next question? Oh God, I hope so. This next question is for 8,000 boondollars. Which of these real life entities is classified as a homestuck villain? Is it A, Matthew McConaughey, B, Benedict Cumberbatch, C, Guy Fieri, or D, Julia Child? That would be A, Matthew McConaughey. No. No? No. What? He's not a homestuck villain. He's not a villain. But he is in homestuck. I said, which one of these entities is classified as a homestuck villain? Which one's a homestuck villain, Liz? I'm staring at these options. That will have to be found out later because you have lost <laughs> Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I just, I can't tell which one of these would be the worst. Either Benedict Cumberbatch, Guy Fieri, or Julia Child. <laughs> Don't like that. You have lost Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Elizabeth, and do you know what happens when you lose a minigame? <sighs> what? It means you get to read more Homestuck, and next time we play this minigame, you are starting back at the exact same <laughs> fucking place. See you at the end of the episode, everybody. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, I know we spent a long time talking about Homestuck in the big scope of things. Yes. When we didn't even factor in all of the little things that happened. That's true. That's true. All the small things. Do you have any small things in mind? Well, I was wondering what you thought of our hacker that we met today, Twin Armageddons, which speaks with this mustardy yellow text and also has these 3D glasses and their typing quirk is they put twos in places of S's and like every time there's an I it's a double I and also they always say the word T-W-O instead of T-O-O or T-O. I kind of liked that in spite of oh no myself not like obviously like i like the kids or like i like kanaya and even Carcat and terezi but i didn't have the same just absolute hatred for them that i did for some reason for adios Toreador. okay then this means that you don't hate adios Toreador because of the voice because i gave this troll a very bad voice it was a pretty bad voice, but it wasn't as bad as the other voice you did. Whatever. I do want to ask you. Uh-huh. Did you pick up on the fact that the sign on their shirt is the Gemini sign and everything they do is in twos? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know it was the Gemini sign. I don't know any of the signs, but I, their username had twins. Like, they're Gemini. That was what I connected to all of the twos. They're pretty funny. Not in, like, a funny haha way. <laughs> no. But they're funny in, like, the way where, like, your uncle comes to Christmas and he talks all about politics the whole time, but he doesn't have a clear grasp on anything. Wait, so you don't exactly disagree with him, but you're like, something about this isn't right. He's saying some pretty okay ideas, but he absolutely does not have the language for it. <laughs> Wait, he's just thrown a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and a lot of it is sticking and I don't know if he knows why. 
My dad's been in IT for pretty much my entire life. And I can say that I think maybe one of the reasons I either liked them or didn't dislike them is that they were a very accurate representation of an IT person. <laughs> if you can't figure it out by playing around a little on the computer, you shouldn't be allowed around computers. <laughs> I think that's my favorite line. I think I think this character has peaked. That is my favorite line from them. They're never going to get better than that. Ooh, that's well. I actually don't remember that much because I will confess, you know, it's been a while since I've read Homestuck. Right. In any capacity. Right. I do like this character. Oh. I don't like them as much as other characters. This is like a neutral positive character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't get a lot of time. They are an important character, but they are also a character that actively does not want to be a part of the narrative. So Andrew Hussey does not include him in the narrative that much. You know what? That character is valid. They're so valid! <laughs> like, they're so valid. Nope, fuck this. Fuck all of this. I said we were all gonna die, and you didn't believe me, and now we're all gonna die. I'm done. I feel that. I do really like their introduction when we get to it in Act 5, though, because it's just, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, you kind of have to just be, like, okay, that's how this works, then. <laughs> Fucking bees, I guess. <laughs> what? I guess? We'll get to the bees. There, there will be bees. I always appreciate a story where there's bees. <laughs> bees? A bees? I do want to talk about that can I a conversation with John? Wait, no, Kanaya hasn't spoken to John. She's only spoken to Rose. Yep. Rose was pretty dumb in this conversation, wasn't acting like herself at all. Yeah, except Kanaya didn't know that because she'd never talked to Rose before. So that was her first introduction to Rose. It's very good. It's very good. I would complain that you keep fixating on the Kanaya Rose conversations, but I also have to say at the exact same time, they are very good! I feel like they're like two of the only characters who can actually talk to each other without having to like drag things on and on and on because they're just talking in circles. Like, they can sort of get to the point and then actually say some stuff that's worth listening to, you know? And entertaining to listen to, because they're also a little spicy. Right. Right. Elizabeth, I don't mean spicy like that. I mean <laughs> spicy like, oh, you know, they're, they're kind of trading japes and, like, being a little nippy to each other. They're on the level with each other, in a way that others aren't. They have good chemistry. Elizabeth, I... I know I haven't asked you this, like, formally yet. Uh-huh. Because I know I've asked you this formally of other characters as a joke. I'm asking you this for realsies. Uh-huh. Do you ship these two? Do you think these two should pursue a romantic relationship? I'm going to hold off on that. I think the seeds are there. I will say that. I think the seeds are there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say that and expect me not to do that. <sighs> you cannot say seeds I, in a romantic I, conversation without me saying that. I, that, that, that. That isn't my problem yes, it that is. I it's, pointed it out. It is your problem for not catching absolutely that. Absolutely your problem. I was making a perfectly innocent metaphor. Oh, yeah. 
Rose and Grandma Trillatrix are just spreading all their you seeds are, around. You're the one who said that they were spicy three minutes ago. Yeah, but I know, I know who's canon at the end. That's not my problem. Anyway, you were saying about the seed, about that hot seed. <laughs> if you could see the face I'm making right now. <laughs> if you could see the face I'm making right now. <laughs> the face that I'm making is Gallo's Calibrator's emoticons. Yes, and then mine is just angry emoticon with two brownies. Anyway, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, please talk about this hot festering seed. <sighs> I think that there's the the beginnings of the foundation. There we go. Foundation. That's better. Blew all the wind right out of my sails. Yes, absolutely. Of what could become a relationship. You know, I think they're young. I think they haven't talked much, but you know, that's true of all of the characters. But I think there's something there that's different. Would you say there's something there that wasn't there before? Fucking knew you were gonna say that. No, it's not so much that, actually. It's that there's something there that isn't there elsewhere. Ah. Yeah. This is really the first pairing of characters where you're like, I feel like in the future something could happen. Yes. I haven't really seen that foundation, that possibility, elsewhere so far. You do also have to bear in mind that they are all 13. <laughs> That's the other thing. They are all 13. Sometimes 13-year-olds do get crushes and date each other, but it's not something that every 13-year-old does. No, and most of the time when it does happen, it doesn't last very long because they're 13. Oh yeah, remember when you were 13, Elizabeth? Unfortunately. I don't. I blocked all of that out of my memory. That'd be a good idea for me as well. It's like I went to sleep for a whole year when I was 13. Yeah, in retrospect, that probably would have been the better idea. You have to make a lot of mistakes when you're 13, including the mistake we saw today. I just want to I just want to put John's entire shit into perspective for a moment here. Please. Jonathan Egbert gets a text from his best friend and he says, "If you listen to this troll, you're going to die." And after a little bit, he goes, "Okay, I won't listen to this troll. I'm just going to take a joyride on this this jetpack." Right. And then as he's taking a joyride on this jetpack, he gets a text conversation from the troll that tried to kill him. And she's like, "Hey, I'm super sorry that you almost died because of me. Here's a way to get to the second gate early. I swear this isn't this isn't a bad thing. If it is a bad thing, you can turn right around and nothing will be you won't die." So, John for some reason goes, "Okay, I'll believe you." And goes through the gate. And he messages future Dave. Right, Dave Spite. Hey, so I took that bitch's advice. <laughs> and future Dave, Dave Sprite, who is still having some, like, goddamn PTSD about his friend dying, is like, okay, great. Who's, like, spent apparently, like, the last four months in a healthscape where two of his best friends are dead? And he got a cool hammer from Hephaestus. Yeah. All of that happens. Then other Dave comes by and he's telling John to just snoop through Rose's bullshit. <laughs> then, you know, he, he picks up the card just to see if there is a code on the back of it because Dave is, you know, pulling a fast one on him and Dave, you know, takes a screenshot of it because he's a teenage boy, I guess. I guess. Teenagers suck. 
Yes, that's true. He's got that. John decides to leave his daughter with Rose and take Rose's cat with him. <laughs> Just little little animal swap there. And then what John does is he leaves the room and he puts a bucket full of fruit gushers on the door. <laughs> that's what John did in this reading session. Because I think his rationale was that he would have written a note and put it under her headband, but he thought that would be creepy. I also forgot to mention, yeah. in the same breath that John says, I'm not going to snoop on Rose's stuff, that would be bad. And the same breath that he says, I'm not going to slip something under her hairband while she's sleeping, that would be creepy. He also goes into her private pester chum account and <laughs> has an entire conversation with somebody else as her. He very much does. John's sense of morality is just all over the place. He feels very strongly about things, but there's no rhyme or reason to what he feels strongly about. It's just a prank. You can justify anything that way. John could come into your house and set it on fire and be like, it was just a prank. <laughs> exactly. I did think it was interesting, though, that when the bucket of fruit gushers fell onto Rose, she was like, I'm not even going to try to one-up him because he's the king of pranks. There's no way I could do it. Rose, who is well known for, like, always wanting to one-up other people, for never giving in and, like, oh, she always has to have the last word or the next move, she's just like, nope, can't do that, no help there. And I don't know, I thought that was very interesting. Hey! Elizabeth, yeah? Are you ready for my new segment that I've just come up with? Am I? The new segment. Am I? Am I ready? The new segment. This segment is called Let's Let's Dissect the Sad Stuck in Dave. Yeah, please. We've already done this segment a number of times. It was an unnamed segment and now it's here. It's yes. Just, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. Just thought of a better name for the segment. <laughs> please. So this is a new segment I like to call Dave Watch. <laughs> oh, God. This is a segment where I'm going to hold David Strider accountable for all of the sad stuck shit he says. Did you notice in that one conversation between older Dave and John, older Dave was like, what the fuck? I was so scared. I'm so scared right now. All of that shit. You know, I feel hurt that you did not follow my advice at all and you still went with that bitch's shit. But then other Dave was like, man, no, he's probably not mad about that because I would never be mad about that. And how much do you want to bet that's a lie? <laughs> I would bet a lot that that's a lie because current Dave, present Dave, pretends that he doesn't care about anything. And so he'll even lie and say that his future self doesn't care about anything either. He obviously doesn't care about anything. Why, does his, why would his future self care about anything? Right, he wouldn't. Of course not. Unless they both do. It's either neither or both. And I'm willing to bet that it's both. Elizabeth, I don't know if you've noticed, but Dave is a very sad character. Dave is a very sad character! At least you were the one pointing it out this time, not me. I knew you would point it out if I gave you enough time, but I didn't give you enough time. Okay, wait. Yes. Dave just reminded me of one thing, is that we were on Durse. Yes. Rose and Dave have met now in the dream space. Right. 
They have. And they've had a jam-out session in the dream space. And Cal also has a dream self. And Rose yeeted him out the window. As she should. Yes, as she should. Cal also has a real-world self. I don't like that. I don't want to think about that too hard. There are too many Cals. We saw three separate Cals today. We did! We did, yeah. And every single one of them made me want to throw up. They're the worst. They're just mm, bad. Okay, so it's about time for us to wrap up. Yeah. What is your character ranking at this moment? Oh gosh, of all of them? Humans and trolls, yes. I want to know your character ranking. I haven't gotten a character ranking out of you in a while, and I want to know. Okay, I think I'm going to go... Hmm. Rose. Dave. Is, is that your favorite or your least favorite? Favorite. We're going from favorite to least favorite. Okay. Rose is my favorite. Dave, um, Kanaya. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah. And then I think there are some, like, in the middle that I have a bit of trouble ranking. I guess John would be next. Okay. And then Jade. I don't know. Jade's always been a little lower. Jade has always been sort of the lowest on my kid ranking. Terezi and Carcat. Is Trezzy above Carcat? In the list. They're pretty much, they're, they're about the same. I would put Trezzy much higher, but this is your ranking. <laughs> yes, this is my ranking. Thank you. And then IT Guy and then Audios Terreador. Is that everybody? I think it's about everybody that's important right now that you can hear of. I mean, I don't think you can put Vriska on this list yet. No, but obviously she'd be uh, number one. That goes without saying. Whatever you say. But that's a very interesting list. Thank you so much for giving it to me. Of course. Also, I would like another list from you. Uh-huh. What's your, like, top ship right now? <laughs> Rose and Kanaya, if they weren't 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to say to that. There's nothing wrong with that statement you just said. That's it. Everybody, that's all the homestuck we have for today. <laughs> we read through pages 1,669. Nice. Through 1,752. You can read all of Homestuck at homestuck.com. And if you want or need accessible versions, the version with image descriptions, the audiobook version, they're all linked on our Tumblr blog, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. Elizabeth writes the transcriptions, which you can also find on look, on that Tumblr, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. Yep, that one. I accidentally closed out of Discord, so <laughs> I did not hear any of what Elizabeth just said. <laughs> we also have a Twitter, at how underscore sane. Um, you can go check that out, ask questions if you want, tell us your favorite parts of the episode. Ask us why we felt the need to have an extended restaurant metaphor, including, like, Kingdom Hearts and shit for, like, half an hour. If you have an extended metaphor for what kind of story you would like to consume as a restaurant, then give us a tweet about that. Do you prefer Outback Steakhouse-type stories where you get the same thing every time, or do you want sushi taco fusions? Yes, please. We would love to hear that. But we would only like to hear them in the form of that same restaurant metaphor. And give us the most nonsensical metaphors you can dream up, please. And also just like the most exact, like that one pizza place. Gaddyland Pizza Place in Louisville, Kentucky, circa 
2013. It's Casa Bonita, but only the days when there's the guy in the gorilla suit. What the fuck? It's not a metaphor. No, it's not a metaphor. That's- <laughs> I like a story that's like Gad's Donuts in Bowling Green, where they're open 24 hours a day and you can get donuts for 74 cents. It's like that one Italian restaurant. We went to Glenwood Springs where we ate all of the bread and then we had to leave early before ordering food. It's like Screamin' Mimi's in Savannah, Georgia, where all of the pizzas are about the size of your head and they only cost $2 a slice. Wait, there's a restaurant called Screaming Mimi's? That's a water slide here. <laughs> <laughs> I like my stories the way I like my water slides. Screaming, two inches and two dollars. <laughs> That sounded dirty. <laughs> it sounded super dirty. Two inches at two dollars. <laughs> You've never seen one this short. <laughs> Actually, the screaming Mimi is really short. You just like get on a sled and then you go straight down and then it's over. The screaming Mimi's in Savannah, Georgia. The pizzas are ridiculously big. Anyway, if you have any of those that you want to tweet to us, please go ahead and do it. If you have been to any of the places that we mentioned, let us know. I've only been to Gad's Donuts once, but my brother went there during every one of his finals in college. If you want to open a 24-hour donut shop anywhere where you sell donuts for super cheap, you better do it in a college town. You better, yes. Where we rate and review us on iTunes or some shit like that? We were on the music. Oh shit, Uh, John Michael did it. It was good music. What does John Michael order at Casa Bonita? Silly Liz, you order food, but you don't eat the food. What does he order and then not eat? I actually don't know. It doesn't matter what you order because you don't eat it. Okay, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's very bad food. You don't eat it because then you get sick. You just go there for the experience, but you can't get in without ordering food. But the sopapillas are pretty good, so probably that. John Michael gets those. He did our music. He did our music. Please go and rate and review us on iTunes. We have enough ratings for the rating to like appear on our iTunes podcast. So that's really exciting. Thank you. As an average rating? Yes. And it's an average rating of five stars. Thank you so much, everyone, for enjoying this, this extended metaphor of a podcast. And just keep on rating and reviewing us and telling your friends to listen Because we're just going to keep reading Homestuck. That's what we're going to keep doing, and we have a lot left. We're going to see this train wreck the whole way through. (laughs) We We have not even begun the train wreck. The train has not gone off the tracks yet, but it is hurtling that direction, I'm sure. We're, we're getting precariously close to seeing the damsel in distress that's tied to the railroad tracks. And even after we run her over, we're just going to keep chugging along. It's going to be bad. But, you know, can't look away. We're going to get to the trolley problem where uh, we f- somehow figure out how to break the lever so that we can multi-track drift and, like, kill six people. No, we kill the five people, and then we go back in time. <laughs> and kill the first person. <laughs> the first person, yes. Exactly. That's how this is going, everyone. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, remember, Vriska did nothing wrong. <laughs> I think I actually did see a post on the internet about Vriska trying to do multi-track drifting for the trolley problem. Yeah, that sounds about right. Bye, everyone. Bye.